of us have some idea how things have changed. I look at things, I look at people, and they just don't feel right. What things? What people? You. Your uniform. The bridge. What's the matter with the bridge? It's not right. It's the same bridge. Nothing has changed. I know that. I also know it's wrong. What else? Families. There should be children on the ship. What? Children on the Enterprise? Guinan, we're at war. No, we're not. At least we're not supposed to be. This is not a ship of war. This is a ship of peace. What you're suggesting? I'm not suggesting. That ship from the past is not supposed to be here. It's got to go back. Engage. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are here to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, episode 15 of season three, Yesterday's Enterprise. And like always, I have my fellow co-host slash Trekkies to talk this out with me, starting with none other than Larry Irby. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I hope you guys are. hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Get any good turkey, man? Uh I was after the dressing, sir. <laughs> it's all about the dressing. Gravy or cranberry? Come on, we divide houses over this. Gravy, gravy. And also on the podcast, we have Mr. Cal Jones. How are you doing, man? I am off of one of the best Thanksgiving weekends that I have had in a long time. And I am firmly, firmly in Camp Cranberry. Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh. Fight, fight. And we did have an historic week for the other franchise that we love that, you know, we'll just slightly mention on this podcast, which is Doctor Who. Cal, were you happy? I, well, you don't want to give no, thoughts. No, 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 no. I don't want to give thoughts Very, yet, very surface level. Very, very surface very, level. Well, well let, let me say this. Considering the fact that you said this is the other and there are two main franchises that we talk about on the Discussing Network, I would probably say maybe binary, 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 binary. Well, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. I, I will say that I did watch that episode at 30,000 feet. I was flying back from Atlanta, so I watched it on a plane. So how about that? So let's go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek The Next Generation Yesterday's Enterprise, which originally aired on February the 17th, 1990. The Enterprise C enters the Enterprise D's time and space continuum where they find Picard and crew in a constant state of war with Klingons. And only Guinan knows. The story was written by Trent Christopher Ganino and Eric A. Stillman, and the teleplay was by the TNG writing crew. And the episode was directed by David Carlson. So if you have not seen Yesterday's Enterprise, go back to yesterday, watch it, come back to today, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. Eddie, before you spread. No, let them spoil the The spoiler one has been dropped and we are back to review this episode. Really? A spoiler? <laughs> Some it's, people have not watched it, man. three years, man. If you ain't watched it, that's your own fault. There are people who were born who have kids in middle school now. Hey, the statute of limitation never runs out. Spoiler warning has to be dropped. And I like doing it, so there you go. And as always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Cal, what do you have for us this week, sir? 
So sometimes it's really important to trust your own gut, but sometimes it's even more important to trust someone else's. Interesting. Interesting. Good stuff. Real quick before I throw it to Larry, I want to say hello to Win Grace in the chat. Thank you for being here. And we did have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you did as well. And anyone else who may be listening, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. So, Larry, would you give me your or give us your high level opinion of this classic episode? Kyle, how could you pick such a terrible episode for us to review? Really? It's terrible. Of course you know that's not true. Oh, okay. You know it's one of the greatest (laughs) episodes they have ever done. And I will tell you guys this. I will add to this. They did one of the most amazing things on Star Trek Online, the beta canon. From this episode lets you know that there were shenanigans after what we saw go down in the episode. So the story was not over. They also carried it into uh, beta continuity in the books. Mm. This was a big episode. Well, let me say this real quick. Since I just said I like doing spoilers and our friend Wen Grace just posted into the chat something, I will say now, if you have not seen Skin of Evil, put us on pause, go out, watch that episode, come back, because from this moment forward, he's not going to probably insert another spoiler warning, but spoilers. (laughs) who knows where all slime monsters may be lurking that's all i'll say he got his just desserts (laughs) though well spoiler for lower decks too (laughs) yeah spoiler for everything (laughs) cal what are your thoughts with this episode man high level obviously if i um said you know let's do this one this is one of my tng favorite episodes if you were to ask me one that i remember more than anything i think this would fall into probably five that i could say i remember more than anything this one just stuck with me for some reason. And as for me, it's, it's something about we always do the or we talk about the alternate universe episodes, alternate timeline, the mirror universe. But there's something special about this one where they're just slightly different. And this one of the things I love about this episode is not really the characters that are different. It's just the circumstances around them that have changed. And I, I think they did a great job of keeping the characters core to who they are, even though crap has hit the fan. It's totally different. And the Federation has been going through some things. (laughs) So, yeah, I I really love this episode. Just taking a beat and and really focusing on these character interactions. And and Kyle, I maybe have to come right back to you because Guinan seems a bit like a time lord to me. (laughs) You know, I think this is the point to where, I mean, I always like anything Whoopi Goldberg has ever done. I've always enjoyed watching Whoopi Goldberg, but I want to say this is where the character of Guinan just became like a standout favorite for me mm-hmm. because she wasn't in possession of some artifact. She wasn't in possession of some leftover remnant of whatnot. It was just her being what she is and being what she is kind of made Picard rely on that it was either you rely on what you know, you know, my, you either trust me or you don't. I will not ask them to die. 40 billion people have already died. This war is not supposed to be happening. You've got to send those people back to correct this. And what is the guarantee that if they go back, they will succeed? Every instinct is telling me this is wrong. It is dangerous. It is futile. We've known each other a long time. You have never known me to impose myself on anyone. 
or take a stance based on trivial or whimsical perceptions. This timeline must not be allowed to continue. Now, I've told you what you must do. You have only your trust in me to help you decide to do it. And I think it was more of a character thing than a event thing. And that's that's mm. what I really loved about this. This was like kind of, you know, spinning off of what you just said about it wasn't a big change. This was an alternate reality, but it focused m more on just the core characters because you really didn't, you never saw a Romulan. You never saw a Klingon other than Worf. It was all character driven. This is one I have to say, I did not go back and rewatch it. Didn't have to. Mm. This this episode is etched in my memory completely. And uh, I just, the thing that made this episode so great is when you do time travel and you do it well, which is not always the case. Even Star Trek has fumbled that ball. Not too many times, though. The thing that I loved about it is, like you said, we had our core characters. We also get to see the predecessor, we get to see the Enterprise 1701C come through, the ambassador class for all the ship geeks out there. That was, I mean, it took your breath away. Because at first when it happened, I don't know about you guys, I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was like a mirror image. And then you come see the ship come through and then you realize Oh, and then you see everything change, the aesthetic, you know, how they, the uniforms change slightly. Yeah. Everybody was wearing a phaser. It was just kill. It was, it was so killer. And I will say this, there is stuff they left out of this episode because that bridge scene was supposed to be way more brutal. Like there was people who were supposed to get blown up. And are you talking about the, the end scene? Where we see Riker kind of tumble over? Or are you talking about when Garrett died? What Riker got the worst of it, but there was actually in the script a thing where Wesley was supposed to get electrocuted. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And they, for whatever reason, they decided uh, to not go through with it. And, and I think that was smart. I, I, I think that would have detracted from the story that we're seeing. Because if you would have had the death of fill in the blank, you know, whether it was Jordy, whether it was Wesley, whether whoever, <laughs> you know, even if it was to shut him up, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Thanks, Wayne Grace. Even if that was, you know, what, because a lot of people did want to shut him up. But I think it would have detracted from the Tasha Yar story, because I think this was her story. This was Guinan's story. This was her story. And in many ways, this is to me a Picard story. I think this episode does one of the things I love when, when Trek does it and does it right. It presents us with sort of this impossible decision that weighs on our very soul. Not only weighs on our soul as viewers, but also we see Picard going through it. We see Riker objecting. You know, we see Garrett have to come to grips with a very tough decision so that impossible choice, when it's presented in Trek and it's presented the right way, it's just the the most gut-wrenching episodes that I see of the show. So I love it always when they present that. And yeah, they did a great job of that in this episode. Let's talk about some of those changes that happened. And uh, one of you guys mentioned, I guess the biggest change is that after the events of Skin of Evil, we have Tasha, Denise Crosby returning in a role as, as Tasha Yar. Mm -hmm. 
What did we think about Tosh Yar's return? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Because I remember when she left, I mean, this is back before the internet, of course, and, you know, you don't get that amount of information or you didn't get the amount of information that we have access to now because back then if we had what we have now we would have known months ahead that she was leaving for whatever reason and we would have known what episode it was going to be etc so i'm watching this you know as a teenager and i'm going wow okay this is in the middle of the season she's gone you know and that was kind of a interesting thing to see and then here comes this character back and to me, that that was a cool thing to see as a teenager watching this first time through is it was kind of like you didn't know what to expect because I didn't expect for her to come back. Uh, seeing uh, her come back, most people have said this, and this is pretty much why you got the Lower Decks episode where they clown that. But nobody was happy with that death. It yeah. made no sense. And so seeing Denise Crosby come back, and I was lucky enough, I can tell you, I met Denise Crosby years ago, and she is wonderful, wonderful. And I said to her, I said, I was so glad, because I think I met her in around 93, so it was after this episode. I said, I'm so glad they brought you back, God. I said, because that was no way for Tasha to go out. And she says, you're right. It wasn't. <laughs> she said it wasn't my idea, though. And well, uh, she said it wasn't her idea. It was no. Well, no, that's like, not what I've heard. I've I've heard she wanted to she, leave the show. She did want to leave, but she did not want them to kill the character. But come on, man. You go to Gene and said, Gene, yeah, I, I'm tired of standing behind this podium the whole yeah, time. Get, get me even, off the show. <laughs> it wasn't even Gene. There were there were other people involved. Uh, there were some people who were involved with Next Gen. No throwing shade, but I. If they want to see, go watch the documentary on Chaos on the Bridge. That'll tell you mm. everything you need to know about it. Trust me. Chaos on the Bridge. I have not heard of that. It's a not great either. documentary. Look it up. It's about the first season of Next Generation, how they have crappy trailers, and nobody really cared about this show and thought it was going to go anywhere. But there were some people who were first involved with this show that would later leave. And I think it's probably for the better that it that it happened that way. Well, it's interesting that you said that because we have two exits in season one that in some way and by season three have been retconned because not only do we see Denise Crosby leave, but we also see Gates McFadden be yep. quote unquote fired yep. at the end of season one, a la returning season three, thank goodness. Trust me. Both will be explained. Watch that documentary. <laughs> trust me. And there ain't no holding back either. Does it get real? It gets very real. When Star Trek Gates McFadden, gets real. Gates McFadden's letting you know that, uh, yeah, I was pushed out. So, yeah, I'm going to have to be seeking that out somewhere on the Internet. Maybe on YouTube. Who knows where we'll find it. But, yeah, that sounds that sounds like a good watch. Question here from Wynn Grace saying, is this the first time we saw the movie era uniforms used to differentiate the times? It's the first that I can recall, but what about you, Larry? Do you do you know the answer to that one? Is it the first time we've seen the different uniforms? Well, well the um, the movie era uniforms. No, we actually saw it. Um, remember the episode where the Ferengi took um, uh, actually another person I met. Um, Lee Ehrenberg played that role where they tried to uh, give Picard the stargazer back. 
Mm, okay. And when they show them on the bridge, they're all, you know, he's having that hallucination. He's back on the bridge and they're wearing the uh, movie era outfits, I think. So let's, uh, I want to ask you guys about Guinan a little bit. I mentioned she may be a Time Lord, but, and I guess my question here is, did Picard have too much trust in Guinan? Now, we don't know what he's been through with her in this timeline. It may be more, but even in the main timeline, he had a lot of trust in her. But absent of evidence, really, um, he was trusting the future of his current timeline on her whim or her opinion. Was that the right choice? What do we think about Picard's trust in Guinan in this episode? I bought it. I mean, that again, this is one of my favorite parts of this story because it is all about that. I mean, that is what this story relies on is the trust between one individual and another individual because of knowing that person's character, that she's not going to just because she wants to. If she says, it's sort of like if she says it, listen to her, because she's not going to say it unless it's important. I mean, I think we've all known people that emanate this sense of wisdom, trust, et cetera, and so forth. And you just tend to trust what they say simply because of the nature of who they are. And I think that is the perfect example of this. So, yes, I bought it. because, And I, again, I think it is a benchmark a staple of what made this story so great the thing about Guinan I can look at this from a lot of different angles and so I always try not to get too into that because I know a lot of people hadn't read the books and stuff retroactively they made all of it make sense because in a lot of books you find out about all the stuff they've gone through together Mm. and this is before he even knew when he met her in the past Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't even know that yet. They've gone through stuff together. So I like how the books tie into this episode of why he trusts her so much and relies so heavily on her and why he would take her opinion over Rikers and over these other people. But see, I like, Larry, that you have all this knowledge from the books, and I think it adds to the tapestry, but not dismissing your tapestry. I think it works with your tapestry, but I think it also works without it because you like it because you've got all this other knowledge that it adds to it. I still like it, I think, equally without having the knowledge because it just, regardless of which way you look at it, I think both perspectives work. I agree. And and, and Marge is saying there's an instinctual bond between Picard and Guinan. Even judging from the few episodes we see in the future, and it's not a bunch, but the episodes we see with Guinan in the future, there's something about the way they interact with each other that lets you know without spelling it out, you know, without reading the beta canon. It lets you you know that there's something there, there. There's a lot more there that we're not seeing. And I did I did feel that in this episode as well. It's like they were telling the story that we didn't even see just by how they, you know, were so intimate with their interaction so i thought it was was, i bought it 100 and and let me say this really 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 quick not just picard picks up on things even to the and and this is so how i love how they played it even when tasha walks in the room and guinan is still not even facing her she's looking away and she says hello tasha man and you got to give it up for whoopi goldberg because (laughs) 
<laughs> the way she plays this character is almost like, and I think may have, maybe John has mentioned this before, it's almost like a, a loving mother. Or <laughs> We're going to go somewhere on that. Somebody was saying as long as Whoopi lived as a, excuse me, Guinan lived on Earth and all the travel she had on Earth, you know, you don't know how many times she's been on Earth or whatever. Yeah. Cl- clearly, her race, the Ovorians, are insanely advanced that they could come to Earth way back then. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a long distance, apparently, from where their people were. But the thing was, there were all kind of theories that Guinan could possibly be one of Picard's ancestors, which is plausible, you know, if she had mm. any kids with humans or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there were theories that Guinan is half Q. Uh, you know, that's why she has more because, you know, you've seen only a couple of her race and one was crazy. Is it sorry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it played wonderfully. Uh, but um, there's just something about their relationship. Remember when um, Best of Both Worlds, she said to Riker, she said, do you know why Picard and I are so close? He said, no. He said, can I I'll say it goes beyond friendship Beyond family. Mm, beyond family. Wow. And I said, wow. Yeah. And I'm I'm waiting for the announcement of the Guinan series on Paramount Plus. I think they can do it. I think I even like the idea, you know, Cal always talks about revisiting faces. I even like the idea of having a different actor play it and, and have like a series. We kind of interweave it and show different faces, some Time Lordy type thing with Guinan. I think we could do it. I think it would be great. I want to pick up a few comments here real quick. One from Harry Henderson. Thank you for joining, Harry. This has always been one of my favorite episodes. Indeed, sir, indeed. Windgrace is saying, also add Picard's knowledge that the war isn't going well and that this may be their only real hope they've experienced in a long time. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm trying, was it 20? No, it was 40 billion. Uh, We learned that it's 40 billion have already died in the war. Uh, And Picard is saying like six months out. We might, <laughs> that might be it for us. And they played that aspect really well because they keep referring to, you need one more ship, you know, you need another ship to fight the battle. And the way they played that is in six months, this six month ship isn't going to m- matter in six months, but it will matter 20 years ago. You have to look at all the sacrifices that are being made in this episode. Not only is the ship, is the Enterprise C going back to be decimated? You have Tasha going back with them, which, you know, maybe that's a, she wants to have her death have meaning. So that makes sense for her. But also you got to think about Picard and everybody else in this timeline. They'll still probably go on, but not in the sense that they are now. So they're giving up their lives basically for a better future for everybody. So it's kind of the ultimate sacrifice in this episode. Yeah. I wanted to throw one thing out there. A shout out, definitely Christopher McDonald as a Castillo. He just killed it. Absolutely killed. I love number one. I love him whenever I see it. It seems like he always plays the bad guy now when I see him in his older years, but he's still kicking it out there. But I loved he and Denise Crosby's chemistry was almost immediate. It was off the charts and you just really wanted to root for this this young lieutenant who just is a good dude, you know, and, and then he loses his captain, mm. you know, 
And uh, of course, you know, I to me, everybody brought their A game to this episode. Well, that's what I was going to ask. And I guess you already answered it, Larry, but I'll throw it to Cal. But w- what about this relationship between uh, Yar and Castile? Um, did you buy it? So so I'm going to sound so cold here. I really didn't care about it one way or the other. What? I was more about her. I, I, I was all about, and again, I'm going to sound so cold. I didn't really care about any of the people on the Enterprise C. I was more interested in Guinan and what was going on with her, Tasha, and the main Enterprise. Not that, you know, they were a good plot point. But for the most part, that's what they were. They were a plot point. I, I knew I wasn't going to see these characters again, so I really didn't have any emotional in, uh, investment in them. Although we did see Rachel Garrett, at least a statue of her, on the latest season of Picard. You know, that was kind of that whole pl- uh, plot point to uh, of the Starfleet auxiliary headquarters being destroyed or whatever. She was in that. So it was it was cool getting a shout, shout out back to the war hero that they they put in an episode had a statue for and everything so that was cool so let me ask you guys a question if you don't mind was the enterprise c was it known in star trek canon as something that had mysteriously disappeared or was it known for doing what evidently it did at the end of this episode i don't think we've we had seen it up until that point but but go ahead you talking about now no, I, or yeah, at the time no I'm, I'm talking about at the time in main canon not the books be canon but in main canon no i think it had never been mentioned i think yeah, it was okay. just for this episode got you yeah i see i'm unlike unlike kyle i really did care like the the few people we got to see on the enterprise c that connected me that these were people who were willing to go back. They was like, look, man, we're not from your future. We, you know, it stinks that it's going this way. But at the end of the day, we're willing to go back if just our few lives will stop a war from ever happening. And as I said, per the books and videos, the more shenanigans go on before they actually finally make it back. It's so good. The episode was just, I mean... There's there's really no words. It's one of the best episodes they've ever done. Now, I am not in any way dismissing his being the actor's ability to portray the character. It's just a character flaw of my own personal <laughs> self that if I am not emotionally invested in the character, I don't really care about the character. So uh, that that's on me. But as far as the acting of all the characters, the captain and the lieutenant, superb acting on both you know from both of them yeah and and marge mentions in the chat that she loved the actor that played young guy and i did too i thought she did a good job for there was a lot to ask of her (laughs) in in picard season two and winger is saying um i think he's talking about christopher mcdonald said he was great in stargate universe yes i don't remember him in stargate universe and i love that series yes me too i don't remember him but yes one of them like he wasn't a bad guy he was he was kind of a jerk he was a senator ah yes senator yes 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 now now i realize why he looked familiar okay yes you're right he was a senator that's definitely a show that was canceled too soon oh my god yes i loved it i loved it i'm like oh we can get off the planets now we can go into space but you know of all my star trek episodes i mean across the entire pantheon of star trek 
this goes in my top five. No question. Mm. I'll, I will add that I agree with that, and I will second that motion. I don't know if it's in my top five, but I really like the episode. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you, when I, and believe me, that those words do not come out of my mouth lightly, because we're talking about City on the Edge forever. Some we're talking about best of both worlds and... I mean, I don't say that lightly. No, I, I totally agree. And we always talk about how they can take the timey-wimey stuff a bit too far in Star Trek. I just think this is a perfect example of seeing it realized and played out on screen. Just beautifully done all around. Like I said, the implications of what happens uh, for the crew, you know, when you when you put that into perspective, I just think it was great. And you know what? If our friend Jonathan Schwartz is listening to this, let us know if you like that, because he usually doesn't like timey-wimey time travel. And I would be curious to know what Jonathan thought of this. I hope he liked it, because like I said, I, what was the episode I was going to suggest us do Best of Both Worlds? Because that is probably hands down right in my favorite. But there's like a million holes I can shoot through that episode. Stuff that didn't make sense. This episode... Like, I can say that. I love Best of Both Worlds, but there was stuff in it that didn't make sense. I really can't think of stuff in this episode that just glaringly did not make sense. It's, it's, it's pretty ironclad. There's actually a book about this episode that I have not read. I don't think it's like a, a huge novel or anything, but it's a book about this episode talking about the making of it. Uh, and, I, and it said, I read one part in the, uh, it may have been the IMD or the wiki that I read that, each person in the writer writer's room took an act of the story to adapt to the teleplay. So um, a lot of hands were in it, and it, I, I think it just came out wonderfully. So let me add this real quick before I forget it, because if I don't mention it now, I will probably forget it. The best part of this entire episode to me was the last 20 seconds where you see Guinan after everything has been restored, and she sits down with Jordy and says... Tell me about Tasha Yar. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful Best book. End. You know, it's ended where we started at. <laughs> yes. In 10 forward. Yeah. It's a, it's like I said, having the, the be fortunate enough to meet some of these actors that I have over the years and just be able to sometimes just ask them, Hey, why, what, what happened here? Sometimes they'll, they'll give you, you know, standard, but a lot of times they'll go deeper and they'll tell you, Meeting her talking about this episode, she says, I was elated that they asked me back because she had thought that might be a door that might be closed. And she did. So how would she come back? So she said she felt that they really went out of their way mm. to get her back, you know, because they had to resurrect her and do it in a way that made that made sense, you know. Yeah, and it, it came back and it gave her character character's deaf meaning, you know. Mm -hmm. They even admitted that they gave her a baseless death, you know, and I yeah. think that was a big admittance. Um, like we said, yeah. I think that at the end adds still to another layer of Guinan. I know I'm making this all about Guinan, but to me that said that she still had the knowledge or the intuition. Maybe she didn't know that something had completely just happened, but but there was still something residual that she knew and she wanted to know about Tasha. So that to me said, you knew something was going on. 
Yeah, they even made the comment in the episode that maybe her race can, I don't know what exact words they use, but permeate time and space, which I thought was really cool. Detect things. Yeah, because well, she's able. Knows? Yeah, she's able to remember all this stuff or just have intuition that something isn't right. She could see everything that is, everything that was, and everything that will be, maybe. How, you know, you always wonder, like her race is almost, we know the name, but I almost feel like Guinan's race is almost like Yoda's. I mean, there's there's just nothing known about, like Yoda's species doesn't even have a, a, a name. George Lucas never gave it one. And I feel like that with Guinan, it's like, what do we know about Ovorians other than they just live a long, long time? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's the same bit of mystery that we find. Is it was it Pilia's? We kind of find that same allure I with the mystery of they her should character. Have made her an Elvor. That to me, I still still say they should have. Yeah, because then it would be cool. It would have directly tied in instead of bringing in this other new thing. You know, I know you don't want to just copy and paste, but it would make sense. Yeah, if um, like you had Pilia there, because she could say, "Hey, man." I've been teaching at the academy since. Oh, I remember when Jonathan Archer came through. He wasn't a great student. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to mention, uh, we're wrapping here, but I want to mention a few things that I also found interesting in the changes. Instead of doing a captain's log, they did a military log. Combat date. That is true. Now, I did forget that. Yeah, darker bridge. It seems like the captain's chair was sitting up a little bit higher. It was. And they had removed some chairs, too. Yep. They know how to redress always blows my mind like whether it's discovery or strange new worlds but tng perfected reusing and redressing stuff i mean this is just like uh the battle bridge yeah (laughs) that was just uh some something they used planet hell where they you know was their alien worlds and things of that nature yeah yeah, and I also think, of, if you really think about it, was this, of course, as viewers, we think this episode was really worth it, but it's like the episode never really happened, but it did happen. It's that Tommy Wami thing again. It sort of reminds me of Timeless, that Harry Kim sends the message back to uh, Seven's uh, Cortex and she averts the crash, and but it didn't happen. Speaking of done right, there you go. That's a That's another one right there. It hurts my brain. It still hurts my brain. The one that hurts your brain is I still don't think I understand the Voyager episode where we know that Harry we have now is not their Harry. He's the Harry and Naomi from the other ship that got blown. I just, wow, what episode is that? I don't even remember this. They lost. Uh, yeah, man, because the other Harry got sucked out into space, man. Spoilers. Spoilers about <laughs> So that might be the next episode we review because now I'm intrigued because I do not specifically remember that remember episode. That? Oh, Harry yeah. went through so much stuff though. It's like it was almost Harry's. Uh, hey, you know. how, how many times <laughs> w- was Voyager duplicated in some way? Oh boy, that's a trivia question. Let's be the Liquid People, <laughs> the Planet Hill episode, three times. Mm, wow, really, really, huh? Wind Grace is saying 
Yes, I think about Duplicate Harry once a day. <laughs> As you should, sir. As you should. I want to say thank you to everybody in the chat. We really, it's really been fun having you here. And uh, I'm going to throw out ratings to the cast here, but I'll also say if you're in the chat, how would you rate this classic episode of Star Trek The Next Generation? Drop it in the chat. We love to see it and we'll give you a shout out on this episode. Kyle, Larry, uh, let's start with you, Kyle. How would you rate this episode that you suggested we review? How would you rate this one? Five timey-wimeys out of five. Oh, we're mixing. We're crossing streams. We're crossing streams here. Don't cross the streams. Five out of five for Kyle. What about you, Larry? How would you rate this one? I'm right beside my brother, Kyle. Five. A hard five. A hard five from Larry. I'll give this... Five temporal anomalies out of five. Um, ah, well it's, said. It's a classic. It's a classic, and it's it's just almost a perfect episode in every way. So, and man, I really wish they would give DS Nine and Voyager the upgrade treatment for the visuals because this episode looks freaking phenomenal. It looks phenomenal, man. So I want to see my other shows remastered as well because it looks so good. It looks so good. Before we go. I got to give love to my boy, Roger D. Moore, of course, worked on this story. And like I said, that man gave us Battlestar Galactica back and did an amazing. I still say this man, he and Steve and I, but we know what he did on um, D8-9. But them dudes, Star Trek in that era would not have been what it was without Roger D. Moore, Michael Peeler, and uh, Stephen Ira Bear. Isn't our bear doing that uh, Apple TV Plus show for all mankind? I think he does. Yeah, that. he is. He is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. These are legends. Legends. In the chat, we have Marge giving this five out of five Enterprise C's. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Win Grace is giving this five out of five Enterprises that history will never forget. Gonna make a name for that Enterprise. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we're gonna wrap up there if do you guys have anything you want to plug uh kyle you want to shout out discussing who one more time before we get out of here tell people where they can find it yes you can find it at discussing or you can find us at facebook and just search for discussing who meek right. meek larry do you have anything you like to plug sir no i'm i'm plugging the fact that i'm gonna be here tomorrow night watching who watching you guys yeah and i want to say uh, I was in here preparing for the show and I heard a certain voice on the TV coming from the living room. My girlfriend's in a watching TV and it was none other than Jonathan Frakes in some holiday movie. Go figure. <laughs> so I'll try to find actually what movie it is and, and drop the link in uh, one of our socials. But yeah, uh, it was cool hearing that, hearing that voice come from another room. I had to go see what it was. All right. And with that, guys, we're going to wrap things up. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. Wing Grace is saying, Doctor, you taught me I can't wear a tight suit anymore. At least until you're, if, if you're under 35. Yeah, yeah, man of a certain age. Man of a certain age. <laughs> and with that, guys, we're going to wrap. Thank you guys for joining. And until next time, live long and prosper. listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe
You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Can I say that like shut up Wesley? I can just go shut up Clarence?